Biggest win was the first one. That was 300x on first round money. A big part of it is luck. Today on the show, I'm happy to have Richard Jones. He's the president of C2AI. They do proven precision healthcare analytics. There's a guy who did one and he's failed 14 times afterwards. Figure out if you are an entrepreneur or not. And I just made a mistake of trusting some people to deliver the finance for me. We were just talking about the secrets for success and how luck is actually a large component of that. What's been your experience, Richard? I live in Cambridge in the UK and there's an awful lot of people here who've been who've done a big start at once. There's a guy who did one and he's failed 14 times afterwards. That kind of proves it, there's maybe there's an issue with him, but for the most part, I'm on like startup 20 now. There's quite a few exits there. A big part of it is luck. And it's just luck in general at the right time at the right place, but also just finding a bunch of people that you can work with, that you can have fun with, who fit together with what you do. And if you can find those people, hang on to them. And so I've been a serial entrepreneur with them in various things in broadband in, in Zambia, AI data center in Sweden, all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. So do you bring some of the same people from the previous teams and companies to the next ventures? Yeah, absolutely. Because they, it, sometimes we're shifting from one technology to another, but they know me, I know them. We can figure out how to get something moving really quickly. And then because I've got, I think I've got five things on the go at the moment, C2AI is the main focus because it's the most amazing sort of startup I've ever been involved with. But a guy called Stefan Stanislawski and I have been working together for 25 years. He's looking after the Zambian company and a broadband company in the east of England that'll pass about 200,000 homes by the end of the year. Like I said, if you find the people that are good, that you can trust and enjoy working with and hopefully have fun with, it makes life a lot easier. Do you always have multiple ventures working at the same time? That's a great question. If I think back, generally, yeah, because if you've got a great idea, one of the things, and AI is definitely going to change this, you've got a window in which you can exploit it. And it's if you want to be first in the market, which is pretty important in some different industries, you've got to move fast. So rather than wait until I'm done with something, I'll work on uh, a concept with people, do the planning, do the modeling, get the financing in, etc., And then typically step away from the exec team at that point and let other people run with it. So yeah, there's not a lot of hobby stuff going on or sleep going on, I have to say. So are those the keys other than not sleeping and hobbies? Are the keys like finding those right people to, once you feel like, all right, this team has it, now I can actually focus on the next. Yeah, it's a bit like First World War. Who's going to be in the trenches with you that you can have fun with when it's raining? And when you're under attack, when things are going really bad, who do you trust to have next to you? And I've made some hideous mistakes in the past on that, which have cost me stress-wise and financially, but also found some really good people that I love working with, Stefan, there's Francesco Benincasa, there's Steve McKenney. They're just amazing, smart human beings who haven't got big egos they should have because they're fantastic super smart and so yeah stick with them why, why wouldn't you yeah definitely and you find those right people you keep them close as close yeah. as you can yeah. so through 20 startups i want to hear biggest win biggest bust all right biggest win was the first one that was 300x on first round money i was a non-exec representing the shareholders in that that was some interesting lessons about when a company's taken over the package that's offered to some of the shareholders who you think are your friends and you like a lot, suddenly they're being motivated by something else, which is the next thing, which isn't necessarily in line with what the current shareholders want. So that was really interesting. So 300x. Biggest bust. Yeah, I single sourced financing for something in Malaysia that would have been amazing doing fiber to home broadband across a lot of Malaysia, replacing Telecom Malaysia in a lot of different places. And it was amazing. The guys working with was fantastic. We had amazing government contacts. I flew in, met the Minister of Finance, Minister of Communications, 
the head of the regulator on the first day I was there, all going really well. And I just made a mistake of trusting some people to deliver the finance for me. And they had their own issues. This was in South Africa. They were doing energy deals, which were taking them a long period of time to do. And I naively thought that they're going to find the finance and they never did. And with a with an election that came along, suddenly that opportunity went sideways. I won't tell you how much money I lost, but I know exactly what it was. It's a lot of money that I could have done some good stuff with. That's just part of it though, isn't it? Oh yeah. And I guess that's the other thing that you find. If, if I find an entrepreneur who hasn't made a mistake or who hasn't, who doesn't believe in luck, then I'm a little bit worried because they're probably at that point believing their own hype. And again, in Cambridge, there's plenty of people who've won big once. And suddenly there's this wonderful story about how it's fantastic. They could always see that this was going to happen and they could see the pandemic coming. And no, you couldn't. You got lucky. Just own it. So yeah, interesting people about. I'm sure. With doing this many startups, I'm sure you've developed like a system for deciding this idea is not worth pursuing or it is. So what does that kind of look like? I think the system in part is having the people around you. Again, the, there's no I in team. Somebody said the other day, there's five in individual brilliance. But if you find a number of people who are individually brilliant, you bring them together and they're not letting their egos get in the way, you will bash an idea until you either figure out this isn't going to work or this is something fantastic. And that probably is part of it. Again, if you're trying to use your time as best you can, figuring out the stuff that's going to fail and fail as early as you can. But it's, yeah, there's, for me, it's about, am I answering a problem that's keeping somebody awake on Sunday night? So is somebody really worried about this? Is there a real pain point? Is there a way to get into that and make it defensible? And is it possible to do that with a sensible kind of budget? But those things often, that's a kind of the formal process. So this would be saying, yes, I've got this wonderful, magical process that works. It's often the meetings with the guys where you just sat down there, men, women, different ages, different experience levels, and you're just talking through an idea. After half an hour, maybe you realize it's the stupidest thing that you've ever done. But I've got no no shortage of ideas, and I know what the next three things that I do would be. But it always will then have to run through that process because you can delude yourself. You can think, so this is another real big lesson. I'm not the market. Yeah, I'm really not. I, you know, I, I fondly think I don't like that, or I like that. And it doesn't matter whether I do. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Are they going to like it? Is it going to be important to them? So I think it's another thing that I used to screw up on was like just believing that I understood how everybody thinks. And actually now I just believe I don't understand how anybody thinks, which means that you have to do the work to actually figure out and validate something and then figure out if somebody's going to put their hand in their pocket and pay money for it. What would be your advice to new entrepreneurs? Wow. <laughs> I think figure out if you are an entrepreneur or not. I remember, and this is really weird. I was walking down a street in a man in Jordan and I was like 52 or something. And I said to myself, I'm an entrepreneur. And it's the first time I'd ever said that to myself because I never viewed myself as one. I, th I thought there's other people like Jeff Bezos, this world, the Mark Zuckerbergs who have that drive and vision to do something enormously huge. I like working with teams. So I would be, I'm in a team of people and it didn't really matter who felt like they were leading. We were just moving in the same direction. So it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really stressful. You've got to figure out if you've got the resilience now, and it may take you two or three failures to get there, but there will be days when you are staring at a screen or walking along a sidewalk and you're near that point thinking, I could just walk out in the traffic. Things get super, super dark. They get super, super difficult. 
And that's when, again, the people around you remind you that actually the sun's going to come up again the next day. I've had to tell myself that a lot at various points. And one of the most useful things is like when stuff does get dark, think, what am I going to do? What's the action now? So when you at that darkest moment of, oh, holy hell, we're not getting funded or whatever it happens to be, what's the action plan? Because you then get in a different mode. It's not the sort of the emotional piece. And the second thing just to consider is, will you be worried about it in a year's time? And I, I look back on all the things that I worried about. I had a really interesting thing at Christmas. And I'm not worried about it now. That's six, seven months later. Other than that, good luck. Never give up, never surrender. But be smart enough to know when you need to stop. So determination shouldn't become, it shouldn't become a stupid drive to achieve something if it's not going to happen, if it's not going to make it. You can recognize, cut your losses and go, that's one learning experience. Let's do the next one, right? Because you're on this planet for a long time. I'm seeing entrepreneurs who are like 20 years old and, and mentoring some of them. And it's great. And I'm looking and thinking, you've only got like a 60-year career in front of you. So you maybe this will be a screw-up. Maybe you'll waste two years on this or five years on this, but you'll make it. Is that like a window for you? Two to five years? And if it's not working at that point, let's look at the next thing? Well, that's a great question. I threw those numbers out there. AI is going to change it. AI is going to be really interesting because people are going to be able to come up with minimum viable product much more quickly, but then they're going to hit, and this is the thing I don't think people are appreciating at the moment, then they hit the same uh, adoptability challenges. So you can have a fantastic idea, and I work in healthcare, we've got globally unique products that do things that address the biggest problems in healthcare, so that's pretty cool. But if you go along to a hospital system and say, look, this AI thing, it just took me a week to do rather than a year to do, that's harder to sell because they want to see that you've spent a year doing it. And then they say, Where have you, where's this worked? So it hasn't worked anywhere. Okay, so we'll go and get a trial site to try and go get the trial site. And that's the same time period. It doesn't matter that it's AI back, except they're more worried because the clinicians there, they're risk averse, right? They don't want to kill patients. How do I say with generative AI where I can't figure out what data I've used on the input and what the out, why the outputs are the outputs that they are, and whether they're correct or not, who the hell's going to trust that? So we'll have this real difference in the way that process works. <clears throat> Stuff will get rammed into the funnel, and then it's like a fast jet. It's like Top Gun Maverick flying its treacle. It's just going to all slow down. So that one of the difficulties, I guess, moving forward is going to be that fight for attention. But then... There's the guys who got 150 million euro back in after four weeks and uh, writing something on the back of an envelope. That's going to happen. But it does, It rather than giving it a specific time scale, it'll take longer than you think. And are you of the mindset that it always makes sense to raise capital? No. So C2AI is in an extraordinary position. We've raised, we've not raised very much and it's been raised but from high net worth individuals. So it's bootstrapped its own revenue. And I will go to my grave wondering, was that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? So I've, in Saudi, for a, an operation there, I raised $300 million. For this, I've raised very little. It's going to be courses for courses. You've got to think about a couple of things. Firstly, if you can do it without raising capital, that means it's going to take longer. So for us, there's that ethical dilemma of, while we're doing that, we're not treating as many, seeing as many patient outcomes improve. So that's not a good thing. So what's the way of moving fastest? So you definitely move faster with a capital, but that means you've got a VC or a PE person sat on your board. And now that's not as much fun. They're very humane. They're very smart people, but that's not as much fun as doing it for yourself. And there's a trap that people are falling into at the moment with the hype in valuation last year. If you're valued at 50 million and somebody's come in with 50 million on that, sorry, 
if you valued at 500 million, somebody's come in for 10%. If that's a really hyped valuation, you've got to get a good step above that to actually get out. And the VC firm's not going to go 250 is a good number for you. We'll go at that number. You've now set this hurdle and they've got to make their return. So it, it creates its own issues. Back when I did an MBA, the, the, the best way of answering that with a straight face was to say it, it's contingent on the situation. It's contextual. In other words, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. And I can see that. You really never even know if it was the right move or not. It's You just have to go yeah. with the instinct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, your life's lived forward, but understood backwards. We can look back and... I did a thing in 2000 that was really so far ahead of its time, not particularly difficult, was an online company selling glasses and contact lenses. And people are now doing that and they sell them direct. And that, but I had this model in 2000. So did that make me smart? Not really, because I did it with my with a colleague who came up with the idea, didn't execute it particularly well, but missed the fact that it was too early for the internet for people to do that. So certainly in the UK and in other countries, people have now taken that idea on probably 10 years afterwards and are doing a much better job than I did. And it, it's the right time. So looking back, as I know now, it was a good idea, but just in kind of the wrong time and with me not executing as well as I should have done. And that can happen. It, sometimes it's just timing as well. This is the luck aspect you were talking about. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you so, start believing your own hype, that's when, you got, that's when you're in trouble, I think. I think you're right. So Richard, if our listeners want to learn more about C2AI or get in touch with you, how can they do so? C2AI.com is the website. r.jones at c2-ai.com gets in touch with me. And if people have got ideas and they want to just bounce them around, that's one of the favorite things. I just love helping people make that step from I've got an idea through to, wow, I could actually do this. And one of my, one of my great joys, I said to somebody in, in Cambridge once, I said, the day you drive by in your Ferrari that you want, I said, that's going to be the happiest day in terms of this business. Yeah. And he wants to have a chat and he wants to run an idea past me. Super happy to help. Well, thank you, Richard, for coming on the show, sharing all these insights. And thank you I everybody for it. listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.